Welcome to the In All Things podcast. Here, we talk about everything from friendship and personalities to contentment and faith. Our goal, to encourage you to seek Christ in all things. Hey, how's it going? I'm your host, Sierra. Let's imagine you're in my living room and dive into real conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I hope that you guys have had a great week. I am jumping back into the fruits of the spirit this week. This has been so good for me personally to dive into and um, I've learned a lot and I've started to be uh, convicted when I'm not particularly exhibiting some of these fruits of the spirit. Um, I hope that you also are enjoying this deeper dive into the topic. As a quick recap, we are doing some word studies of these characteristics and what they mean from a biblical standpoint. It's easy to simplify the fruits of the Spirit and say that they're just emotions or they're just disciplines, but these are actually God-given fruits that are present in our lives as proof that the Spirit is alive within us and sanctifying us to be more like Christ. If you haven't listened to part one yet, um, it was a couple weeks ago and it's called In Love, Joy, and Peace, I would recommend doing so. Not because we have to go in order of the fruits, but it is good to get the full context, which I do explain in that episode. Otherwise, if you're not able to do that, I would maybe recommend just pausing this right now and going and reading Galatians chapter 5 verses 13 through 26 and then coming back to this. That will give you the full context of the fruits of the Spirit beyond just like the two verses that we typically read. But we hear in that passage a very distinct contrast. The contrast between desires of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit. Paul describes the desires of the flesh and he includes sexual immorality, jealousy, anger, witchcraft, idolatry, um, selfishness. And he goes on and on. The list that he gives is very long. And he very clearly says that the flesh contradicts the spirit and the spirit contradicts the flesh. And if we are led by the spirit, we can't just go do whatever we want. And so what we learn from this is that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, these nine fruits of the spirit, they don't come naturally to us. The Holy Spirit gives them to us, and we have to intentionally choose these every day with the help of the Lord. This week, we're going to pick up where we left off, and that is with the fruit of patience. It is a well-known fact among my circle of people that I struggle with patience. Like, first-class ticket on the struggle bus of patience. Um, I blame this on the fact that when I was younger... I prayed for patience. And as we all know, God doesn't just give patience. He gives us opportunities to practice patience. Um, And that's exactly what he did and is still doing. And it's safe to say that I have not been all that successful. Um, Anyway, so some versions of the Bible use the word patience. Others use the word forbearance. And others say long-suffering. Essentially, They all mean the same thing. So I'm going to be going with the word patience today. So if you remember from the first Fruit of the Spirit episodes, I 
we talked about looking back to the original language that the Bible was written in, in order to get a solid understanding of what these words mean. Um, It gives us more context because the Greek language, which is what the New Testament was written in, may have multiple words for one English word. So in that last episode, that was with the, the word love, we have one word, which is love, and Greek has like four different words, each meaning something else. And that is also the case with patience. I don't know if I said this last time, but I am not a Greek scholar. Okay, in case you were wondering, but I'm not. Um, so I'm probably going to botch these pronunciations. Um, I had to look them up on Google Translate a few times to, <laughs> to help with this. But hupomone is one Greek word for patience. And it's kind of like a spiritual endurance. It's often related in the Bible to trials and enduring and persevering through them. One explanation that I found says, Hupomone is not simply the patience which waits passively for the storm to pass. It is the spirit which stares down the storm. It is the spirit which bears difficulty, not with resignation, but with blazing hope because it knows glory is coming. Hupomone is not the grim patience that waits for the end, but the radiant patience that hopes for a new beginning. And then the other Greek word for patience is macrothemia. It comes from the word Makros, which means long, and thamos, which is the word for temper. So long-tempered, meaning that you can hold your temper without complaining or becoming angry for a long time. So let me challenge you with this. Between these two Greek words that I just told you, ignoring the mispronunciation probably, (laughs) which of these do you think is the one that's referred to in the fruits of the spirit? Personally, I would have gotten this wrong. I was really, really surprised, to be honest. But it's the latter, macrothemia. I do believe that the two can be intertwined, but it is the macrothemia word that is used in the Galatians passage. We can see that this is a character trait of God in all throughout the Bible, honestly. Um, a few different verses in Romans, and as well as 1 Timothy 1, verses 15 through 16, it says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of the sinners, Jesus Christ might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Um, We also see a lot of God's patience in the Old Testament. Um, It doesn't use the same word because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Um, But if we're thinking about, you know, somebody having a long fuse, basically, and not losing their patience um, or getting angry or losing their temper, we can see that God displayed this all throughout the Old Testament, like when God was using Moses to get Pharaoh to free the Israelites. God didn't just smite Pharaoh on the first try out of anger. He gave him a chance after chance after chance. He had patience with the city of Nineveh. He gave them chances to repent of their sins. And because Jonah finally ended up there, they did repent and God did not destroy them. If you read the book of Judges, 
we see that God provided and raised up a judge for the Israelites time and time and time again because the Israelites were every time a judge would come along would turn turn around and start serving the Lord again and then they'd the judge would die and they would fall back to their wicked ways and God would just keep sending judges sending judges um, to help keep the Israelites on track God is a patient God we also know that this is a trait of godly people in the Bible. James gives an example saying, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. James uses Job in this verse as an example of patience and perseverance. The use of the word patience here is the makrothemia. And actually, the use of perseverance is the other Greek word, hupomone. Um, so again, patience in this context would be the long-tempered, not complaining or getting angry. When we take a break from our instantaneous emotions, those that make us complain and those that make us lose our tempers, we are allowing God to come over us and take control of our emotions instead. He gives us patience and he allows us the self-control. And we're going to talk about that later when that comes up, um, because that is also a fruit of the spirit. But he allows us the self-control to slow our emotions down enough to give him the control. Moving on to kindness, in the King James Version, this fruit is actually listed as gentleness. So it would have said love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness. But as we have read, gentleness is actually still a fruit of the Spirit. And in the King James Version, kindness is listed as gentleness, and then gentleness is actually named as meekness instead. In most other common versions of the Bible, kindness is just kindness. Um, But I think it kind of gives us a good idea of what this word means. To be honest, this is a very simple one to describe because essentially it is having a heart of kindness. It's just being kind to others. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce this Greek word, okay? This one was really challenging, but... Um, The Greek word for this means tender concern, which is understandable then why some versions like the KJV would use the word gentleness for this fruit. Um, We see God exhibiting this trait in Titus chapter 3. says, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. So his kindness, God's kindness is shown through Christ's salvation. We see Jesus's kindness all throughout his ministry in the New Testament. In Mark, there is a statement that is made about Jesus seeing a crowd and having compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. That is his kindness. He showed kindness to the Samaritan woman at the well, and he showed kindness to the blind beggar whose sight he healed. Romans 2, 4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? 
So it is his kindness that reaches out to us to save us from our sin and to save us from our pain. It's just that simple, like connecting with somebody. So how can we show kindness then to others? Looking back at that definition of tender concern and seeing Jesus's examples, we can be kind to others by just simply meeting them where they're at. If you see someone at the store struggling to load things into their car, kindness would be going over and helping them or at least offering, right? Um, The struggle can be very real sometimes, okay? Last week, I had to run to Menards for work and I was trying to load these giant sheets of styrofoam in the back of the truck on a windy day. I could have used a little help that day. Paying for someone else's coffee or lunch in the drive-thru, that's showing kindness, These are very straightforward and very simple examples, which means it's kind of pretty easy to show kindness to others. I think where the difficulty lands, though, is that it's hard to remove our focus off of ourselves long enough to see the needs of others. And that's hard for us all to admit. And this isn't always the case with everyone. Some people are so great at stopping and identifying others' needs around them. Um, but a lot of us also have a hard time with this. It's hard to look past our own rush to see the person struggling in the parking lot. It's tricky to not only focus on our own lunch hour and getting and having an hour off of work or a half hour off of work, but then also bless someone else in that process. It takes a conscious effort to pause for a moment, look around, and actually see others and asking the Lord to lead us in blessing them. If you don't have time to help someone, maybe you can bless financially. Or if you don't have the finances, maybe you can bless someone with time. Just sending somebody a note of encouragement can be a blessing. It's basically summed up in Matthew When Jesus tells us to do to others as you would have them do to you. But I think very simply, I think of the parable that Jesus tells about the lost sheep. A shepherd has a hundred sheep and one of them goes missing. And he leaves the 99 sheep to go find the one and bring it back safely to the flock. That is what I, that is kind of the image that I have of kindness. Um, It's going out of your way to show love to someone, to show someone that they are seen and heard and loved. Which then leads us to the fruit of goodness. And I got to be really honest here. This one took me some time. And I don't have, I don't honestly have a lot to say about this one. Um, But it took me some time to understand because it is so very similar to kindness. Um, I was reading articles and some of the definitions were identical to kindness. And I was like, well, they are separated in the Bible. So we have to, we have to dig a little deeper here. Um, But from what I could find, I believe that a good definition would be uh, righteous or holiness. Goodness is a life lived for God. A life lived with the purpose of serving God and honoring him. Someone compared these two, um, kindness and goodness, this way. Said, uh, kindness is having a compassionate heart for others that motivates us towards action. 
and goodness speaks to our character and the desire to be more like God. Throughout the Bible, the goodness of God is clearly evident. It is, it's just a part of his character. It's who he is. It's who he is. He doesn't just do good things. He is good. And as the Holy Spirit sanctifies us, goodness can be a character trait in our lives as well. It's clinging to what is pure, what is holy, what is from God. James tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. The same Greek word that's used for goodness in the Galatians passage is used in this verse as well. So we are able to be kind because we are filled with goodness. Um, We have a desire to be more like God. That doesn't mean we want to be God. I want to clarify that. It means that we want to reflect him. We want to represent him well. Matthew 5.16 says that in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And as I continued to look into this fruit of the Spirit, to look into goodness, I began to realize that it's more about who and what we reflect. It's about who we point to. And as believers, our goal is to reflect Christ and point others to him and guide others to him, which then we end up being able to point others to Christ by exemplifying each of these nine fruits of the Spirit. It just all comes full circle right there. So goodness kind of to me seemed to be a little bit more of a broad overlook of a fruit than the others. You know, patience is pretty specific. Um, Love is pretty specific. But goodness kind of has this overview feel of what is our goal in life? It is to reflect Christ. We want to have a heart like Christ. And in doing so, we begin to have patience. We begin to have kindness and love and joy and peace. And the list is going to continue as we dive in next week for the final three fruits of the spirit. Thank you so much for joining everybody. Thank you for joining today's conversation. I hope this was an encouraging episode as you continue to walk with the Lord. If it was, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps with the app's algorithm and allows in all things to be accessible to even more people. Share with your friends and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at In All Things Pod on both of those and visit our website at inallthingspodcast.com. See you next time.